The Money Show. Small Business. With Pablo Fatidis. This small business feature is brought to you by NetBank Business Ignite, helping small businesses to do big things. To enter, visit igniteyourbusiness.co.za for more. NetBank is a licensed FSP and registered credit for provider. We're now joined by Pablo Fatidis. Uh, Tackling the business world again, small business focus, of course, is with him, uh, the CEO of Auric Business Accelerator today, speaking about innovate or die. What do we talk about when we say innovate or die? Hmm. <laughs> you know what? Uh, what I've seen over the last couple of weeks, uh, Mateo, just is driving me crazy. It's 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 fascinating how the way you think whether you're aware of it or not, guides how you behave. And how you behave manifests whatever you have in front of you as a business owner. But the same can be said in your relationships, in your life, in your health, in your body, and everything. And innovation is, is something that has all these highfalutin, complex language behind it. There are books written on it coming out of everyone's ears. Um, Harvard has led it, MIT has led it, every university claims to be leading it. And yet in its simplest, simplest terms, innovation has only one of two outcomes. It's where you offer the same thing at an improved price, which you've been able to deliver because of an innovation, or at the same price, you offer more value. And really, if you if you bring it right down to very practical outcomes, the same thing, in other words, the same value at a better price or an improved price for the same value. Those are the two really practical outcomes around what innovation should deliver. So it's not only just the technological aspects of uh, creating apps and having AI and all sorts of technologies, um, you know, tied to your business. It's also just tweaking your systems a little bit and coming up with new ways of making sure you deliver a, a swift uh, business. Yeah, it can be. It can be the most boring thing in the world. You know, there was a wonderful study done, I think in in the sixties or so. I'm, I'm not sure when, but before all of us. Right. Well, most of us, I'm, not all of us, but most of us. <laughs> and it was with, it was with, it was when airlines started to compete. Because in, in the, in the late fifties, I mean, you know, aircraft were really just steel tubes and an engine that hopefully kind of got you from A to B without killing you. And there were many more crashes. It was the nascent industry. It was commercializing very quickly. And one of the big American brands, attempted to innovate a competitive advantage. And what they did is they dressed up. The, the way that you would buy a ticket in those days is you would go to the airport and you would speak to uh, the representative of the brand, the airline brand, across a ticket counter. And you would say, you know, I want to go from A to B. You'll be given a price and you bought the ticket literally there and then and hopped on the plane. And what they did is they created two counters. And behind counter one, they dressed the representative in a blue outfit. And behind counter two, they dressed the representative in a brown outfit. Because in the late 50s, brown and beige were big colors. Everyone thought it was the color to wear on 
fashion and on the catwalks everywhere. And what they did is they then directed clients, potential clients, on a 50-50 basis to the blue representative and the brown representative. And what they discovered is that those that were served by the uh, attendant wearing the blue outfit outperformed and sold 17% more tickets than the individual wearing the brown outfit. So in effect, what they innovated over there was a uniform and specifically the color of the uniform. Because the color of the uniform blue, for reasons that are hard to understand, outperformed the color of the uniform brown. And maybe it was that you're flying into the blue sky. Who knows how people thought in the 50s when they bought tickets. But it can be as simple as that. Yeah. It doesn't have to be some highfalutin piece of technology where often there's more froth in the cappuccino than real coffee. Because it is just hyperluting and full of spazazz and shiny bells and whistles that nobody understands and nobody knows how to implement. Now, a lot of leaders, especially business owners, will tell you, don't reinvent the wheel. You know, don't fix what's broken. But why is it important uh, from time to time to innovate as a business? No, not time to time. I think you should always be innovating. You know, and I'll give you a, a really a, a, a terrible case study because it's it's real and it's happening right now as we speak. There are two businesses that are very similar in what they do. They they're involved in the steel fabrication steel fabrication process. The one business that I visited uh, two days ago has a, a number of problems to it, and the problems it has is that the business owner over there has bought into this self fulfilling crisis philosophy that we no longer can manufacture anything competitively against the East. So as a result of that, over the last 19 years, he hasn't invested in any new plant or equipment. He hasn't improved any processes. He hasn't uh, identified and created new designs. And he's sitting in a conundrum at the moment where he's unable to find talent and skills. You see, you see the industry's dead. We've lost it to the East. He's unable to get good prices on raw materials because he's not doing enough volume. You see, there isn't enough volume. He's innovated nothing. And literally about 240 kilometers away is another business doing something very similar. And they went and they invested in a plasma welder, which allows for circular welding, circular tubular welding. And they did this because they want to capture the manufacture of all the chassis that are used in solar farms. The chassis is the mechanical frame or the steel frame against which the solar panels are laid out. They went and they found access to new software uh, called CAD design, computer yeah. design, in order to get efficiencies. They didn't invest in it. What they did is they found a service that offers CAD as a service, where literally you can buy your credits and use it on demand as and when you need to. Through this, somebody found out about it in a discussion they were having and decided to put some investment into it. And with that, they recently won an enormous contract. And in winning the enormous contract, they have now attracted talent, skills from abroad and locally that want to be part of this environment. When you innovate, it means that you're constantly staying ahead of the industry. 
it means that you're leading the industry. When you don't choose to innovate, and it is a choice, it means you have decided somewhere, either consciously in your mind or unconsciously, that it's not worth innovating. And when you don't innovate, who would want to go and work there? Who would want to fund there? Who as a customer would want to be part of that business? Who as a supplier would want to support that business? If you're not there's innovating, been a, you're dying. There's been a lot of great examples of companies that have died or close to dying. The likes of Kodak, Blackberry that lost out on a huge amount of business after leading the market. Nokia is one of the companies as well that didn't innovate in time and didn't change in time. And that, I guess, is one of the risks of not innovating. But when can an innovation fail, uh, an innovation attempt by a company fail? Well, look, it can fail very quickly if it's decided upon by the business owner what the innovation ought to be. Because the real question behind what you're asking is what should catalyze or lead an innovation? So typically, it's going to be an inefficiency. How do you find out about an inefficiency? It's when you lose business. So if you don't win a customer or if a customer complains, you need to dissect what the root of that issue is. And it might be an inefficient process, which can then be innovated to be improved. It might be a price point, which means you need to innovate your supply chain or your manufacturing process or the way you deliver your service. It could be a quality issue, which means you, in you need to innovate the design of your service or how you fulfill your service. If it's led by the market, if it's led by you not winning business, and that in its own right says and forces you to ask questions why you're not winning the business. In there lies the seed of the innovation. If you lead it on that basis, it will materialize into real value. But if you and I decide that we need to add another shiny bell or whistle to our product or service, without confirming whether our clients would value it or not, we will make the investment, we will innovate it, we will complexify our business, we won't be able to sell it because there's no demand for it, and that's going to disassemble and uninspire any further innovation going forward. Well, you've been warned as a small business owner in our small business focus today, it's either you innovate or you die and always, always innovate, not from time to time. Uh, Pat, uh, Pavlo Fatidi is a CEO at Auric Business Accelerator there, uh, giving out a stern warning to those small business owners that are still sitting on their hands and not innovating.